There are business leaders that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They're elevating their businesses, teams, and themselves to add more value. And so can you. Welcome to the Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. If you are looking for ways to elevate success while contributing to a better world, you'll want to listen for the next hour. Now here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper and a big welcome to another edition of the Business Elevation Show on Voice America. So delighted to be back again and uh, delighted to be uh, introducing you to two more fabulous guests today. We're going to talk about human digital transformation with Elizabeth Hearn and also Steve Sharp. On last week's show, we had Simon Toy, uh, who was talking to us about emotional intelligence and sales. And also we had a little uh, conversation about his exploits as a a very successful bodybuilder early in his days as well, which was was quite fun. Um, but if you're interested in that whole area of emotional intelligence, um, I felt certainly later on in that show, it really um, we really started to articulate some of the key elements of emotional intelligence and you know how important it is to selling, to leadership, and even to um, to families and that sort of thing. So if you're interested in that, do go back into the archive and do check out the show. So as I mentioned, um, today we're going to talk about digital transformation, and it, it seems um, the last couple of days I've almost talked about nothing else actually in terms of you know, digital things with uh, with my business. So I'm really looking forward to today's show, and I think um, I'm also very mindful that with all this digital change that goes on, that um, it has a real impact on you know on people. And uh, if you're not sort of digitally minded, it can it, it, this, this technology can be quite sort of sapping. Um, and in this world, there's just, of course, at the moment, and it seems to get faster and faster, there's just nonstop change. Um, but it's really true that the digital, the sort of competitive economy today, it's really forcing um, a real reimagination across the market when it comes to technology. Um, but it does have a big impact on people, on culture, on leadership. And I think it's important to think about how you really bring your workforce together on the journey. So people aren't disillusioned. And for me, a big thing for me, and you'll know if you listen to this show regularly, is engagement. And if I think if you've got high engagement, you know, a digital project's going to go across an organization much more effectively than if people are feeling really, really sapped about it. So I've got some great people today um, we're going to talk to. We're going to talk um, to Elizabeth uh, Vinberg hearn Elizabeth's been on the show before, I'm delighted to say. And I think it was over two years ago now. And we talked then about, uh, about leadership. Um, but today uh, she joins me with Steve Sharp. Uh, Elizabeth is CEO and Director of Catapult Partners, uh, and she's an award-winning author of The Team Formula and Leading Teams, 10 Challenges, 10 Solutions. Um, she's from Lulia in Sweden, which is right up and close to the Arctic Circle, though she's now based in uh, the UK. Uh, she's got a background. She um, has worked with some amazing companies, people like IKEA and American Express and she does lots of executive coaching, digital transformation, uh, cultural change work. And then we've got Steve Sharp. Now, Steve is a uh, director at Catapult, and he's a really um, creative uh, marketing expert. Interestingly, I think one thing I picked out of his bio is that he was handpicked as one of the five prominent young professionals worldwide sorry, advising the global Microsoft global leadership team on accelerating growth through social and digital change. 
Um, he's also had a consultancy that worked with a number of international public figures, including um, platinum selling recording artists and television personalities and helping them with their uh, digital footprint. So a huge welcome today to um, Elizabeth and to Steve. Thank you very much. Hey, Chris, thank you for having us on the show. Now, you're very welcome. Good to speak to you both. And hey, a big welcome to you again, Elizabeth. You've, uh, I think, September 2016 when you were last on. I can't believe two years has gone that quick. I know, it's crazy. I think it was when you had your fifth anniversary for the show or something. As, yeah, that's really right. It was. So yeah. we've had the, had the seventh now. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe it. I know, it. amazing. <laughs> yeah, I can't believe we've been go- going that long. It's um, just amazing how this time I've been talking to somebody and we realised it was four years since uh, um, I last did an interview with him, which um, was just, just quite amazing because it just goes uh, so fast. So tell us, what have you been doing over the last couple of years? And, and maybe explain a little bit about um, how that led to uh, your latest venture, Catapult Partners. Absolutely. Absolutely, Chris. So, yes. So over the last couple of years, I've continued the work that I've done for a number of years now as a strategic leadership advisor, really. So I work with clients around the world. I do a lot around teamwork and collaboration, as you can tell from from the books I've written, Uh, but also around really around the culture and how organizations work from a human perspective. And when I was on the show two years ago, I talked specifically about sustainability in the context of business, because I'm really interested in how can you play a greater role in society as a whole, you know, taking responsibility for the world as a whole, if you like, but also be able to run a business successfully over time and having a real longevity to what you do. So a lot of the work I've been doing has also been around that. And actually, in the last couple of years, I've also written another book. So together with my my fellow um, leadership consultant, Mandy Flint, we've written a third book that's going to come out in March. And that's all about leadership impact, which sort of touches on a little bit on the subject what we're talking about today. Fantastic. Now, yeah. Yeah. Go on. Yeah, you know, I was going to say, you see, you've not been, uh, you've not been sitting still. You've been, uh, been busy, and you've been to Africa as well, haven't you? Yes, I have. So, yes, I've been to Mozambique a few times. So, I've been working with a charity out there. We're looking at an initiative around building children's self-esteem and belief in themselves to be able to build successful lives as they grow up in 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 orphanages. Effectively, very interesting. Wonderful. That's that's brilliant. And um, and do you, are you feeling um you know like a little bit like um, you, you're back at home up in the Arctic Circle now the nights are drawing in. <laughs> well, um, I love I love where I come from, but my parents when I was quite young moved down to Stockholm, and 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 I think Stockholm can be dark enough in the winter. Yeah. So actually, winter time, as beautiful as it is, it just gets a little bit too dark, a little bit too early. But the summers are the best thing I know. I absolutely love the summers up there, and the sun never goes down. I'm a big, big, big fan of Scandinavia. I love Sweden. Yeah. We love Stockholm. Brilliant, yeah. brilliant place. So, Steve, tell us a bit about what um, you know your background and you know what you learned from. Interesting. The celebrity digital marketing sounds fascinating, and also a bit about how you got involved with Microsoft. Sure. Yeah. Sure, Chris. And uh, by the way, I, I work so closely with Elizabeth, and I can um, I can absolutely uh, confirm that Elizabeth is working pretty much nonstop. Packing <laughs> so much stuff in, uh, so so I've uh, yes yeah, so I started. Well, I actually started my career when I was sixteen, my sixteenth birthday, um, and I did about five years of random jobs. I think I did eleven jobs by the time I got to working at Microsoft, 
Um, so I worked on kind of market stalls in southeast London and all sorts. I had all these experiences. And then that set me in really good position to go to Microsoft, where I learned all these professional skills, um, which was fantastic. So I was on the Microsoft grad scheme, uh, like pushing, pushing a decade ago now. Uh, and that was great. I learned all sorts of, um, uh, it, probably the professional skills is what I learned the most, how to kind of conduct myself in a professional environment. Um, you know, I'm a little bit rough around the edges from where I'm from. So I think that, that sort of refined me a bit. Uh, and uh, from there, um, I quite young, I would say that I endeavored down a path where uh, I got a lot of stability quite young. I actually bought a flat when I was 21. So, I mean, how many people are doing that in this generation? So mm. it was quite a young time to do that. Um, but then I had a slight mid-20s crisis and said, okay, maybe I need to go and have a bit of an adventure. So after a couple of years, I decided, right, pack this in. Let's go and do something fun. And I approached all these celebrities, thousands of them, just in my spare time in the weekends, relentlessly, uh, unleashing a bit of an entrepreneurial streak. And, and I discovered through uh, the, say, 20, 25 meetings that I ended up getting with them uh, that there was a real gap for um, those who were famous and on TV a lot 10 years ago, which was a completely different market. Um, you know, there was, a, there was a, only a handful of people that would recycle around the same game shows. Everybody was watching TV every night and Friday night and Saturday night. So there was a lot of attention on television rather than on people. You know, we didn't have the same devices back then. Um, and those people need to translate those skills into uh, into the digital world because otherwise, you know, they won't be keeping up. And so I found a real gap in helping that. And I realized at the time going through that, that actually a mastery of social media is really a mastery of uh, human behavioral science and human psychology. And if you can really understand, you know, how do you, how do you engage with people? How do you um, influence people? How can you build a following? How can you make yourself valuable? If you can work out these things at a scientific level, maybe you can apply them through the vehicle of digital media. So that's how, that's how that worked. And and uh, thereafter, um, Catapult Partners emerged um, through a gap that we saw, which is actually reasonably similar in, in concept, very different in what it does, but reasonably similar in concept, which is that it's the human aspect of this digital stuff that makes the difference. Uh, and taking people on a human journey and applying the concepts that we have um, in kind of behavioral economics and behavioral science and, and human interpersonal relationships. It's that stuff that's going to make the difference because ultimately a business is a big collection of people trying to achieve something. Uh, so, that, so that's the journey. Fantastic. Oh, fascinating, fascinating journey. So you had 11 different jobs where you were 21. Did you, and you said you were a graduate at Microsoft. So did, did you manage to fit in a degree at the same time or didn't you go down that route? That's right. I did, yeah, that's right. I studied law for four years, so the jobs were on the side, so it was like things wow. in the evening. I just, I think my first job was my 16th birthday. I obviously got a taste for it. I must have liked the money or something. Um, <laughs> I, started, I started working at Boots when I was 16, which was good fun, um, and, uh, and it went from there. So I just tried all sorts of different things. I got quite good at getting jobs. That was probably the best skill, <laughs> quite good at uh, get, getting part-time jobs. <laughs> If <laughs> you sound like you should be setting up, a, setting up a business to help people get jobs, um, maybe that's the know, yeah. <laughs> maybe there's a, a, a catapult human resources or something uh, for some you time. Yeah. <laughs> so, so tell us, Steve. Um, just just so people are really clear, because uh, uh, you know, I guess there's it's probably quite a large scope within this arena. But how would you define? digital transformation what what is it all about that's a great question because it's uh, it probably puzzles some people because it's a 
Um, classically, it's been a little butchered by marketing, I think. Um, essentially, what digital transformation is in reference to is reimagining your organization so that it's ready for the digital world. That's probably a crude kind of generally roughly what it is. Um, and then that would beg the question after that, why would you need to reimagine things ready for the digital world? Um, and the argument that's often put forward for that is, is digital disruption and uh, people point at examples like Uber um, and, the, and the cab industry and uh, perhaps uh, Airbnb and the hotel industry. And, and you, you constantly hear these same examples uh, recited. And more recently, the high street and Toys R Us and Amazon, etc. Um, however, it's all of the examples pretty much that are in the mainstream are, are B2C. And so I think sometimes there can be a slight disillusionment about those from B2B organizations. Um, perhaps that doesn't feel real or doesn't necessarily feel so relevant to their industry. So the way I like to think of it is, is actually rather than that, if you think we've all had broadband for somewhere between maybe 12 and 15 years. So what's happened in that 12 and 15 years um, that we've all had broadband in our homes and broadband in our businesses? Um, now, smartphones came about within that time frame. I think the iPhone was released about 12 years ago. Um, Facebook has transformed the way that we communicate um, as has uh, Amazon, which existed before, but really became kind of so prominent in our lifestyles over the last 10 to 15 years. Um, they use drones on construction sites today. You can look into, uh, and, and there's just so many examples around us. I mean, the prediction is that by the end of next year, self-driving cars are going to be um, more safe than human beings driving cars. And once we cross that threshold, it's more likely people are going to be using them. So. We're now in the world, I think, that we, um, you know, the, the, the sci-fi futuristic world that we used to watch in movies, we are now starting to live within. And if you really analyze and look around, walk around um, wherever you live this afternoon, particularly if you live in a city, and just analyze the way people are behaving, you'll see people taking selfies, you'll see people holding phones absolutely everywhere. Um, and this is fairly obvious ob observation, but it's also relevant to say, this is a huge transformation in 10 years. Now, what's going to happen in the next five and what's going to happen in the next 10? And really, digital transformation is in reference to how do we get our business mature enough in the digital space and ready enough so that when it comes uh, and when the wave of disruption comes to us, we're ready to make, uh, we're, we're competitive and, and, and we're seizing the opportunity. Excellent. I'm suddenly really starting to get what it is that you do now through this conversation this is this is a really really big thing for organizations isn't it to to get a uh, to be able to uh, vision um disruption but also to think perhaps how they can maybe disrupt a market as well by, by maybe being early adopters and, um, and it's more than just just uh, uh, utilizing you know it communication via social media and that sort of thing it's it's much broader isn't it Absolutely. And I think even the word disruption is quite a funny one because, you know, nobody ever pulled out Uber from and said, wow, this saves me time and money. How disruptive. It's it's the frame of reference of the word. It's, it's kind of framed through the eyes of the, the uh, perhaps the incumbent or the threatened. But actually, disruption is another word for innovation. Um, and actually, it's, it's, it's a question of creativity. It's a question of human creativity. What can we make from this potential? Um, and I think that's a far nicer way to look at it. Mm. Uh, so have you got any examples of maybe you know successful digital transformation projects and you know ones that you've you've aware of that maybe haven't been so successful perhaps ones you've worked on or ones that you've seen in the you know externally 
occur? Do you have any thoughts about or, or thoughts about what makes uh, a digital transformation successful or not? Uh, absolutely, and and I would say that there's an enormous amount of data on this, and there's also observation that we have on the ground, and the same patterns are followed um, followed through wherever we see. So. The top five reasons that we have, which reflect reflect data across uh, thousands of organisations in in reports pulled, which is um, when digital pra- transformation practitioners have been asked what makes digital transformation successful or fail, um, the answers always come back to roughly these five things. So, did you have leadership sponsorship? Was your corporate culture set up for it? Did you manage to change people's attitudes? Do you have the digital skills? And what is your strategy and direction? And if you can answer those, roughly those five things, which are all soft, roughly speaking, soft skills, um, none of those are technology barriers. They're all people-based obstacles. If you can answer all of those five things, then you're probably in a good place because it's often that stuff which gets forgotten. And actually in the new digital world, it's going to be ruthless in terms of competition. And actually it's very important that these things are tackled strategically. And that means putting placing this human element and predicting these emotional resistance that's very likely to come with the organization as you go through major change. Mm, awesome. Yeah, that's really, really, really interesting. And uh, I just can imagine imagining you know, people, some of those points that I was thinking about Kodak and, you know, their inability to go into digital and the impact that had on them. And you can imagine that there probably were conversations in there about digital, but uh, they didn't have the the kind of uh, leadership sponsorship or the right corporate culture. They couldn't maybe change the attitudes because, oh, you know, this digital is not going to really take off. We're, we're really, you know, entrenched in film. Um, you can imagine it, those sorts of conversations going on. And as a result, it was a bit of a train crash. That's right. Absolutely. And, and it's hard work as well. It's not something that's easy to do, to change people's, to go through an emotional process isn't necessarily, uh, of an organisation of people isn't necessarily something, you know, businesses are natively skilled to do. That's something to treacle, I imagine. Well, we're going to get to commercial break now. After the break, let's um, let's get into some uh, some more kind of, you know, advice about how do we actually go about doing this and this whole thing about envisaging and uh, and some of the, the, the sort of steps that we might need to take to uh, to really be able to make uh, digital transformation projects work well. But also, I think, um, let's find out about the people side of this as well. How do we actually manage those um, different aspects of uh, digital transformation so things work well? Because we've had to code there. Things like leadership is really important and changing attitudes is really important um, to uh, the success of these projects. Back again in just a couple of minutes. Do stay on and join us. to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential chris cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the achiever program one-to-one mentoring and coaching facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? 
Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with Elizabeth and Steve uh, from uh, Catapult and Partners. And we were talking about, obviously, digital transformation. I think maybe before we go into some of the key steps, let's let's explore this area of, uh, you know, the human side of digital transformation and, and why it's so important. So uh, can I ask you, Elizabeth, why is this human aspects of digital transformation so important to its success? Well, I think ultimately it comes back to we're all just people, right? So we may live in a world that becomes more and more uh, technical, digital, automated, whatever it may be, but we're still just people who think and feel. And it's the feeling part that plays a major part in how transformation goes because any transformation will somehow needs to connect with people emotionally. There needs to be a sense of excitement, so to engage people in excitement, to alleviate fear. I mean, sometimes a little bit of fear can be useful as well because it makes us realize that we need to move, we need to make a change. But it's connecting with people at that emotional level that tends to make the big difference. Because imagine you're you're implementing some kind of new digital tool or way of working that engages you at a digital level. Just telling people why uh, it's a great tool, just use it, is never going to be enough. It's really about people wanting to use it and people seeing that it's contributing to something that's interesting for them. And I think as well, some of the, you know, some of the things that people experience when you're increasingly have all the digital field, the space to, to work in is that it also separates people from one another. So all of a sudden, you maybe don't meet as much. You can talk on the phone. Obviously, you've been able to do that for a long time, but you can now chat online. You can, you can use a number of the digital tools for that. And this changes the way that people are working. And people still need that human connection. So if you can connect with people and you can help people connect with other people in a very human way still, that's certainly one aspect of people embracing digital, I would say. And I I suppose, you know, kind of organically, people, consumers um, and outside of work, people have embraced social media, haven't they? Or or some have. There's a certain population who who don't. But... um, I guess a lot of people through that that sort of social media proliferation over the last few years, um, you know, do appreciate um, the, the the value of some of this in terms of connecting, but maybe also the disadvantages of it too. Absolutely, and 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 it's interesting though because it seems like people are more digitally connected outside of work than inside of work at times, 
And it's maybe, and it comes back to this whole human side that we tend to be more connected with the things that we have chosen ourselves. So sometimes when you're going through a digital transformation or a digital change where you're introducing a new way of working that's more digital, people don't have a sense of having chosen that. And that sometimes is the reason why it maybe isn't embraced in the kind of way that you need in order for it to be useful. I think another really important thing to think about from a, from a truly human perspective is that we're going through such massive changes. I mean, some of the things that Steve talked about before the break, just the speed of how things have changed over the last 10, 15 years means there's a lot of uncertainty out there. So we sometimes talk about the concept of VUCA, so volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity. It's something that surrounds us all. We are, things are changing so fast, and we just haven't got the answers the way we used to. And to help people deal with that kind of, of complexity and, and uncertainty is so crucial in order for, for us to want to open up to it, really. Do you think... Um I wonder if some of it as well, it's about, it takes, some of it takes a little bit of getting your head around, doesn't it? So it, need, it must need some real kind of education with people. And just on a, you know, a basic example, yes, yesterday I was talking to, to a business owner and he was saying, um, you know, how he'd been advised, to, uh, how he's using Instagram and how he'd been advised uh, a few months ago that it could be really good for his business. And he was now using it. And I said, I've got to be honest, I signed up for Instagram. I, I don't fully really understand it and I said tell me a bit more about it and he, and he said actually I, I don't really understand it myself <laughs> <laughs> I love that <laughs> so he, he sort of caught him out um but, but just... I think I think it's actually that part of part of the challenge sometimes is there are so many tools out there. There are so many ways that you can communicate uh, through visual means or 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 audio means and and in the end, it's a question of, do I have the time to even explore what's relevant to me or what I could really get benefit out of? And sometimes I think it's just chance that means that you maybe fall fall into using something, someone's recommended it or whatever. But actually, one of our recommendations would be at an individual level, also at, at an organizational level, is to be really curious and explore what's out there. There's some really, really cool things out there that maybe we don't even know that they exist. And but sometimes we're just busy, so it's hard to maybe find the time to even go through that kind of thought process and and really explore our curiosity that way. Uh, what's the, what's the, sorry, 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 Steve, come on. I was going to say I love the uh, I love the anecdote you just gave, um, Chris, because um, I've, I've been learning about the the learning process of a human being. So I look at my little niece; she's nine months old and she's babbling, right? So she she sort of goes ba ba ba. That's kind of a that's her language at the moment, and. I was learning about how that works. So a human being goes through all of the different phonies of, of, uh, of linguistic sound that you can make. And then as you learn your language, you become more and more refined. And then you lose all of the excess knowledge. So you actually stop being able to make certain phonetic noises. And that's why you different people from different countries don't always translate each other's languages too clearly. And, uh, and it's an interesting thing. I like, it's a good insight into how human beings learn because you have to babble at the beginning of something or you have to feel a bit foolish or a bit silly um, sometimes because you feel like perhaps you're behind. And, and then as you go through the learning process, you get better and better and more refined. And so the fact that 
um, both yourself and and uh, the business owner that you mentioned have started on Instagram, and maybe it does feel a bit silly and a bit um, like you don't quite know what you're doing. That's part of the process, so you kind of have to go through that phase so as to become the expert later on. And I think it's far better to be uh, prepared to be a, a bit foolish in life and and feel a bit silly and try something than not try something at all and get left behind. It makes a huge amount of sense. And what's um so so what's the leadership role in all of this? Well. Well, leadership, I think leaders in any organization, you're going through this kind of change, leaders somehow are the role models ultimately. So I think leaders tend to shape what actually happens. So when it comes to great digital transformation, leaders are really role models for it. They're the ones that embrace transformation and take it on themselves. They use the tools, they believe passionately about it. So leaders also play a very big role in really identifying what's the purpose of this? What's the strategy for the transformation? So some of the most successful transformations we see is when leaders and organization have really taken the time to work out, why are we doing this? rather than, oh, yeah, here's a new cool tool, let's get that. Now, for what purpose? What are we actually trying to achieve in the end? Because if you have a really strong why, this is where we want to go to, this is why we want to do it, and have passion about that, that's also what engages people. Oh, we're not just getting a new tool, we're doing it for a reason. And it tends to therefore become much more holistic and much more effective because there's a real reason for why you're doing something. Yes. And I think one of the other things as well is that some of the the most effective leaders in this, the way the leaders can help all of this happen is that they are truly open-minded and curious. And and like Steve was saying, the babbling, you know, you don't, they're not afraid of trying things out. They are very openly absorbing everything that's out there, right? And they also create a readiness for change because, again, if we talked about what it's like to be human, you know, we all feel things. We're affected by the things that happen around us. And leaders play such an amazing role in, in creating readiness for change, not just thinking that, oh, yeah, we're going to make this change. It'll all be fine. Of course, as a, you know, as a, as a human being, you also understand that that's not enough. People need more than that. So, so I, get, I think what I, I sort of get out of that, and I apologize, there's a little noise in the back. I had a big dog just uh, just come into my office. <laughs> I, I thought all the doors, but obviously they weren't. Um, so he's now now wanting a bit of a cuddle. He's under my arm. Um, so so, uh, but I, I think um, what I'm, makes a lot of sense with, um, with with all the digital avenues that are available. It's, it is a bit like being in a sweet shop sometimes, isn't it? And you know, do do I want to do I want this? Do I want oh, I could try it, try a bit of that. And if you don't do that with a, a real sense of a kind of why at the beginning and a, and a real clear vision, which I guess that's the role of leadership, uh, then it, it can proliferate in a in a random way rather than an organised way. Absolutely, absolutely. And sometimes as well, unless there is a real clarity about what you're actually trying to achieve, uh, there's a danger of maybe picking up something that wasn't right because it didn't quite fit in. Uh, so it's worth having that real strategic thinking up front. And that's where leaders play a big role. And, and leaders also you know, play a, a sort of key role in the culture of a business, you know, why, why we sort of do things as we do around here. And you know, how, does, how does that culture then impact digital 
transformation. I think there's a great one of our favorite quotes is is the um, um, the the fact that culture eats strategy for breakfast mm. and everything else for, for for lunch and dinner. It's so very true. We may have the best perfect process. We have great tools, but actually, it's the way an organization runs, the way people work with each other, the way the way things get done effectively, that tends to override that anyway. And so, and every organization has a culture. Most of it is implicit, right? So it's it's driven by what people see and experience. Not necessarily, it's not necessarily driven by what's said, but we as human beings were able to read the signs and see, okay, so for example, I am, um, I know a leader who who wanted everyone to to have a good work life balance. So told everyone to go home at five. It's really important that you go home and see friends and family and everything. And everyone thought that was great, right? It's like, yeah, this is wonderful. I like it. But then they noticed that actually she did not go home at five because they started getting emails from her all through the evenings. So after about a week, they'd figured out that she may say they should go home at five, but they were thinking. We probably shouldn't, right? And that's how culture gets created. It's what we experience. So leaders play a massive role in this in understanding how am I shaping the culture? What am I through the way I'm being and and the kind of behaviors that I display? What am I creating out there? And when I'm going through a digital transformation, how do I need to behave to really help people embrace this transformation rather than look at it with, with, you know, either resistance or, or maybe just not not being interested in it. Excellent. We're going to go to, we're going to, go to a, a commercial break now, a slightly earlier one, if we can do that. Uh, and I'm going to go and put my dog in a different room. So I apologize for that. <laughs> and then we'll, we'll have a slightly longer next section. So uh, if we can go to commercial break now, that would be fantastic. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program. One-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network.
You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper. Uh, my big, friendly uh, cream labadoodle is now um, talking into a bowl of food um, at the other end of the house, so I do apologise for that. <laughs> <laughs> Never worked with, um, what's it, what's it, family and uh, animals, is it? Something like that. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> so um, we were talking a bit about culture there, Elizabeth, and um, I know you've got a little bit more that you wanted to share with us. Yeah, I think... Uh, when you think about culture, obviously, you know, business cultures can, can look different in, in different organizations. But if I'm looking forward, now I'm, I'm, I'm looking towards the future a lot to sort of understand how do we need to, to evolve as, as leaders, as, as organizations, as cultures to be able to be successful in the future. And one, one of the predictions is very much about the, the need to collaborate becomes greater and greater. Yeah, the, the speed of change means we need to keep coming up with new solutions and with the, the, the speed of change again, not everyone is going to have all the answers. So you really need to reach out to, to more people. And this, of course, doesn't just come down to tools. You also really need to make people want to collaborate, right? So one interesting uh, example that I recently saw where this really uh, explains how this works is there was a sales team that were given all sorts of tools where they could communicate and collaborate with one another, and they were all based in different locations. So they very rarely met face-to-face, and, and the, their leader really wanted them to collaborate more, and they were given all the tools, but they did not collaborate more. And, of course, one of the reasons for that was they were used to having quite a competitive culture between them. They were used to competing and wanting to be the, you know, the, the salesperson of the month and the quarter and everything. And actually, they had to first start to look at how do we actually have a collaborative culture? Because once we have that, then we can also make use of the tools that we have. You cannot just give tools and just expect it to happen. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So it's almost um, you always got to change your values, haven't you? <laughs> or, or, yeah, no, I agree. You know, so collaboration needs to be, or something that resembles collaboration needs to be very much at the heart of what you do. Absolutely. And then, then it comes back to how do you make it into something really interesting? So whatever culture you want to create, because cultures can be created, it's not, it takes time and, and it's obviously about consistency over time and that, but it needs to be something that people really want to embrace and think, actually, this has given me a lot of value. I'm, and, and it did for the sales team who are actually able to, to double their sales figure in a year when they started collaborating, because all of a sudden they had the, the benefit of all the wisdom and ideas and, and and tips and tricks from all their colleagues as well which they hadn't really had before and i'm sort of interested we hear a lot of people talking about um ai artificial intelligence and mm. I, I kind of where, where does that come into this is that is that part of this digital transformation piece and you know utilizing artificial intelligence um, it doesn't also doesn't sound very human either <laughs> it certainly is, right? So we have human intelligence, we have artificial intelligence, and it certainly comes into the whole disruption and the transformation that, that is happening all around us. And of course, there's all sorts of wonderful solutions that benefit us in a number of areas. In our healthcare, for example, and we were talking about self-driving cars and, and all sorts of things. Now, 
there's, of course, challenges with AI as well. But if you look at it from a people perspective and a human perspective, uh, people are increasingly intrigued by AI. There's some fear around it and people wonder maybe where will it go and ethically what kind of aspects do we need to think about to really make sure that AI doesn't take over in some kind of way. Uh, But I think there's some really exciting opportunities in AI around how we will learn more as human beings, how new jobs will be created. And actually, it will be a way to create more interesting jobs because if we can can use artificial intelligence to take away some of the maybe very painstaking, time-consuming work that we used to do, and then that can free up time to do more creative and innovative work. Mm, so, so we're talking about, about robots, are we, with artificial intelligence in particular? It can be. I mean, you can talk about everything from chatbots to to proper robots as well. Uh, but effectively, I mean, even talking to your Alexa is effectively a, a, an AI invention, if you like. Mm-hmm. So there's the very small small pieces of of AI to to the very big ones, and we're just at the beginning of it anyway. But I think one of the interesting things to think about here is that there's a lot of talk about as well what kind of work is being automated, for example. And, but there's humans still have a very unique ability that AI cannot mimic. So if you're looking forward in, in the workplace, you're going to be seeing a lot of need for that human intuition, for example, or ability to, to empathize, to feel. All those things that make us uniquely human are going to play even bigger parts when you were sort of sorting away all the things that can be automated. Yeah, yeah. Interesting times with, with all of that. So, so Steve, yeah. I know, absolutely. I was going to say as well, it, it could be some uh, a good advice for anyone who's young and listening that, that we have a shortage of data scientists. I, we have a shortage of people who can do the technical skill beneath the AI. So um, something well worth thinking about if you're anyone of, our, uh, of your, your young listeners. We we had uh, I, I was talking to somebody a few weeks ago whose uh, son was uh, just just graduated and he was he was going off to make robots in his first job, which uh, was certainly a job that wasn't available when I was uh, <laughs> graduating. <laughs> Very interesting. <laughs> so, Steve, um, do you have a piece of a? You talked earlier on in the interview about sort of reimagining the future in the digital world. I mean, do you have a? a piece of advice to help people in terms of where to start with that? Yes, I think so. Um, and I think I can reason that quite nicely through an analogy. So, or it's actually more like an experiment. So you, you, this has been applied in lots of different demographics and geographies. So if you take a group of people and you split them in half and you, you give them all lottery tickets, but you say number one group, uh, group one on the left here, you get complete authorship and ownership over the number that you write. So you can write your own number and the other half get a lucky dip they get a random number and then you take the tombola you roll around the numbers you pull one out and you say okay before we give you your the winning lottery number we're going to have an individual negotiation with each of you to try and buy your ticket back and in every demographic and geography that this is applied to a wide range of different types of human beings it takes on average five times more cash to buy back a ticket from somebody who wrote their own lottery number and even intuitively, if you hear about the way that people talk about the lottery and lucky dips, they say, oh, I won 10 pounds and it was a lucky dip, as if that makes it somehow more special. And actually, of course, the numbers are completely random. But the lesson behind that is that 
when we are part of writing the story, we as human beings intuitively tend to be far more committed to the outcome. So organizations are trying to go through big digital change, but that shouldn't be left with the digital team and it shouldn't be left with the IT team. It should be something where we say, okay, we're going through a big initiative here. How do we bring the story, uh, how do we bring our users and our individuals work in our organization on the journey with us? And that's if we're giving one piece of key advice is how do you engage people and bring them on the journey with you? Mm. Any, any thoughts from you, Elizabeth? I think it's very much along the same lines, actually. It's really, um, it's daring to imagine what things could look like, but really engaging people in that process. Because again, no one has all the answers. So if you're really going to do something, just start talking about it. Be curious, look outside um, and have a conversation around what it might be. Not thinking that you have to come up with it yourself as a leader, for example. You absolutely need to make it much wider than that. But how do you, you, you may be envisaging the, the future and you're looking at what's available, um, but I hear of something new that's available nearly every week. So, yeah. you know, by the time you've done this, can you be out of date? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I, I think that's very interesting. And, and also the observation we make with organizations is that more technology doesn't necessarily mean more success or more or more digital success. Um, there's an enormous oversaturation, I would say, of information. We're all in suffering information overload. Just turn on your phone. At, you can turn on your phone at 9 a.m. and have 20 messages on different platforms. It's, 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 um, uh, and that isn't productive. And similarly, the amount of technology, particularly bigger companies have, can be quite overwhelming as different pockets of the business try and patch their individual problems, lots of tactical solutions. It becomes this like patchwork that doesn't really fit together. And so sometimes I think the best first step is to say, what do we have today? You know, what technology do we own? What are we licensing? And how can we make the most out of it? Because more often than not, they're not making the most out of it. So we, 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 we sort of talk, we talked about envisaging and researching and, uh, and getting a sense of what's out there. And I guess we're putting together some kind of a, a, a strategy. But what are the key steps in, you know, in a digital transformation project that you might be, you might be involved in, for example? Um, that also ensures you really engage human beings in the process, Elizabeth? Well, as you say, it definitely starts with our vision and strategy. And, and, and I think an important thing to think about here as well is that we hear more and more people that express how purpose-driven they are. For people, it's important that you're contributing to something bigger, something that's somehow going to make a difference. And that's where that vision and strategy comes in. So it's absolutely crucial to get that right. But then also look at where are we now to really understand what is our current reality? What is our work culture like? Are we collaborative? Are we collaborative enough? How do we want it to be? So really understanding the reality as well, including, you know, what kind of tools are we using? Uh, Because sometimes the one of the challenges is that there are so many different tools that people are not sure which one to use for what. And then you end up with just the email disease where you're emailing everyone for everything. And that may not be the most effective one. So you need that. And then from there, go on to say, okay, now I understand where we're at, understand where we want to go. Now let's put together a cross-functional team and create a plan for how to take us to where we want to get to. And the cross-functional is really important. And to have a real, you need to engage as much 
as much of the organization as possible where everyone plays a role in this. So it then comes back with once you have the plan in place to really have uh, a continuous engagement and communication with people, engaging people with the why, being really inclusive and collaborative, almost have an engagement plan. So this is one of the things we recommend is to say, how can we as a, say a leadership team or a group of people that are driving the change, put a plan in place so that you make sure that you're engaging with people all the time because you need, you know, things as you're going through the kind of change, you need to have almost immediate feedback as well. How are things going? How are you experiencing this? What are our customers saying? What are they seeing in this? And to make sure that everyone feels that they have a role in the change. So a little bit like the lottery ticket that Steve was talking about. How do you get to give everyone a role so that you're not having change done to people, but you're having change done by people? And there's a real big difference in there. And then the last very practical and tactical piece is to really focus on and develop the new knowledge and skills that are needed. That's also part of this process in here. To to really learn new things, to, to, to increase your digital skills maybe, but also to, to learn and, and um, develop the kind of collaboration that's going to be needed. Excellent, because there's quite a lot to think about. And, and I'm envisaging at that, uh, the beginning of that situation where you're, you're asking yourself, well, where are we now? Um, is, is that, is that um, conversation about, well, what are actually are the problems in the business right now perhaps? And you know, how could we, what do we need to improve? And then maybe then searching for the, the technology and the methodologies before you then start implementing. Absolutely. And, 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 and to see that also, what are the things that are really working? What are working really well for us? But maybe we've just taken it for granted. So we've not maximized that. We may have some real strengths within our culture that's just sort of simmering there, but could be made more out of. So there's quite a lot that can be learned from just really understanding where we are now without being judgmental about it, just saying, where are we and, and how do we take the next steps to really build on where we are and to get to where we want to get to. Excellent. And Steve, how does, how does Catapult Partners then really help people with this, with this journey, really? And how, how does an intervention with you guys and, um, and team and how, how does that operate and work? Absolutely. So we're, we're a professional services organization. So we work with typically companies that are, I would say, anywhere between uh, 250 seats upwards. So a lot of our organizations that we work with are quite big companies. You mentioned some of the companies Elizabeth's worked with before earlier in the show. Um, so big, big corporations. And, uh, and that means that they can be at different stages of transition um, and different stages of transformation. So it's, it, there can be a fairly custom um, form to how, how this goes. Um, but the expertise centers around culture, organizational change, and digital skills. And it's, that's really all of the people obstacles that we mentioned earlier um, and how you overcome them. And, and, and really, we play the role as um, a supplier that supports an organization going through the necessary people obstacles that they need to go through so as to have successful digital transformation. And with a focus on that area as well, that does tend to, um, you know, and the data will back that up quite strongly. And actually, if you read really any white paper or research about digital transformation, it always screams at the top, people first, culture first. So we're really the people first digital transformation people. Excellent. It feels to me that you've really, you know, with your, your business has really landed on a, a really important area, which is, uh, you know, is it, 
really in people's minds with this the speed that uh, the digital platforms um, and opportunities um, have uh, are sort of spreading around the globe all the time. So I think it's a really, really important area that, um, that people obviously need help with. Uh, and I, I love some of the points you made about um, you know, having leaders to be being really on board with this. And um, you've got to also think about the culture and you've got to change attitudes and you've got to build skills and you need strategy and you need direction. So there's an awful lot to think here. So I think uh, having someone like you holding people's hands, I can imagine through that journey could be really, really powerful. Just got a couple of minutes left. So I just wonder if you've got a final message that you'd like to leave us with. Steve, you go. Any thoughts? Well, yeah, I mean, I suppose the, the final message, I'd I, I just reiterate how important these obstacles are because I would say we're in a bit of a 50-50 place in terms of what I see observationally. 50% of organizations think in the more analog way of let's install technology and, and let's hope it works. And the other 50%, I think, have gone through some level of awakening that actually that really isn't the answer. Technology isn't the solution. It's an enabler of a solution. So I would say just uh, a strong encouragement from Know, humble observations that I make in the market that are uh, in a market that I'm in every day, just that the more people first you are around digital transformation will roughly correlate with how successful the transformation is likely to be. Excellent. And th- thank you, Steve. And Elizabeth? Yeah, I would say we're all on a constant transformation journey and that's not going to stop. You know, the, it, it is going faster and faster. And I think this is a really exciting thing. Now, I, I love change and I think one of the things I love the most about change is that we're never going to get it right. I used to be so worried about doing everything right all the time. No one can. And I think the transformation we're all on is let, let's take it for, for the adventure that it is and, and don't be a know-it-all but be a learn-it-all. Really open up to the 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 enjoyment of learning in the process of the constant change. If we let go of that need of just feeling like we have to control everything, we can't anyway. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. Fantastic. Well, I've loved talking to you both. It's been a brilliant conversation, really important uh, subject area. So hope you've enjoyed being on the show today. So much. Thank you so much, Chris. Thank you, Chris. You're welcome. So if you want to find out more about Catapult Partners, um, go to um, catapultpartners.com. That's K-A-T-A-P-U-L-T partners.com, catapultpartners.com. And there's information there about the uh, sort of services and support that um, Elizabeth and Steve and, and team offer over there. On next week's show, um, we've got a lovely lady. Um, I'm very aware that um, um, I'm talking with my network that a lot of people um, have – you know, challenges with um, either coming down with illness themselves or uh, employees are getting um, getting seriously ill. Apparently, um, latest research, one in two people born over um, after 1960 uh, will get cancer during their lives. And uh, serious illness is a real problem. It impacts the workplace. Uh, and, um, and people who are not directly impacted, often supporting family members and those sorts of things. We need to really consider what we do with that. So we've got a lovely lady called Donya Youssef. She's got a, a wonderful um, business that she set up around uh, helping children who are, so children are, and she has a uh, child sort of models that are involved in advertising and voiceovers and all sorts of things like that. But she also uh, came down with cancer a year ago and has been through lots of treatment and written two amazing books uh, to help people deal with this subject. So do join us next week um, for a very different show with uh, Donia Yousef and myself. Once again, thanks so much for listening. Thanks to my guest, to um, Elizabeth, Steve, and also to Barney the dog for his, uh, his interruptions a little bit earlier on as well. Wish you all well.
We thank you for listening to the Business Elevation Show. Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more.